Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Sheepdog Dad podcast. My name is Stuart Jackson, and I am the founder and host of the Sheepdog Dad. Visit thesheepdogdad.com to read articles, listen to podcasts such as this, and sign up for coaching geared towards men, young men, and boys who wish to become responsible stewards of themselves, their families, and society. Please join us on our journey to protect the flock. On this episode, we are joined by Steve Hall, Hunter Education Coordinator for Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, to discuss hunter education and public hunting opportunities in Texas. I sincerely encourage you to look into public hunting opportunities in your area to assist not only with wildlife conservation, but it's a great way to obtain some of the healthiest and most organic lean protein that you would not be able to find in your local grocery store. Additionally, I think it's very important for individuals to know that whenever you do consume some type of animal product, especially meats, that there is an animal that had to die for you to be able to consume that meat. And so as a hunter, as a sportsman and conservationist, I firmly believe it's very important to be a part of that process from field to table, have the reverence for that game that you are pursuing, making sure that you are taking a clean shot, making it as quick and painless of a kill as possible, and utilizing as much of that harvest as you can. So again, I encourage you to look into public hunting opportunities in your area and get educated on ethical and safe hunting practices. And with that, I hope you enjoyed the episode. So welcome into the Sheepdog Dad podcast. Our guest today is Steve Hall, Hunter Education Coordinator for Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to join the podcast and uh, looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have. Thanks for having me, Stuart. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. So we'll get right into uh, into our conversation. So uh, with it being, let's see, we're recording this podcast on August 26th. So we've got uh, dove season, at least in Texas, kicking off, I believe, September 1st. And uh, it'll be... uh, pretty hot and heavy for any hunters when it comes to deer season, waterfowl season following that, and then uh, other hunting opportunities. And so uh, I know it is mandatory now, Steve, for hunters, if you are were born uh, prior to or, or whatever the date cutoff, if you're a certain age, you're going to have to take that hunter education course. And I know that I fall into that. I remember being 12, 13 years old, sitting in a archery shop, uh, taking that hunter education and, uh, sweating bullets that I wasn't going to pass. And, but, uh, was very happy to, to pass a course to, to move on and get that hunting license. So I guess if you could just expand on the, the need for hunter education, what is covered in that content and, uh, and how that helps, uh, hunters and, and Texas parks and wildlife. Oh, you bet. Hunter education is required of those born on or after September 2nd of 1971 in Texas. It is required in all 50 states. And so there's reciprocity with all the other states, but there's also kind of different laws in all the other states. And the reason we started a program back in 72 in Texas was really the Colorado law, which required those born on or after September or January 1 of 49. So it it's historic. Uh, Hunter education has essentially become a rite of passage for all hunters in the country. 
and especially in Texas and uh, Texas being the biggest, you know, state in terms of the numbers and, and, and really the year round hunting opportunities. So you really got quite, uh, you know, a rite of passage here in Texas, if you're a hunter. And of course, September 1st is the magical start date for a lot of reasons. One, it's the start of the, the hunting license season. And of course, it's the proverbial start of the hunting seasons when you, with the game animals and game birds, in this case, doves. And of course, that's also a traditional day for most hunters and their families and friends to get out and kind of really enjoy, uh, you know, that opening and, and just all the excitement that goes with it. And of course, the dove, dove poppers at the end never, never hurt anybody in terms of why we hunt, and that's for the meat. So it's a uh, just a fun time and uh, looking forward to it this time of year our hunter education courses are uh, in full swing uh, mostly led by volunteers and teachers in the schools a lot of uh, students get hunter education in the schools these days at the high school and either the ag program or the outdoor education program and um, boy that's just been a really great partnership since we started a mandatory program in 1988 so uh, hunter education is here. It really just teaches safe, knowledgeable, responsible hunting and shooting sports practices. And so if you own any kind of a sporting arm, it behooves you to kind of obviously learn about the actual arm itself. But then you want to go further and you want to learn about firearm safety, firearm handling, hunting safety, and then outdoor safety. And outdoor safety is those things like survival, first aid, you know, not getting lost in all the different, and first aid is even kind of a uh, interesting one because of trips, falls, and spills are the number one cause of outdoor injury. And so if, if you had to splint up your leg and get and hike somebody out of the woods, how do you do that kind of stuff? So yeah, it's hunter education, again, is historic. It's uh, lifelong and it's saving lives. Uh, and because of it, hunting is safe and definitely getting safer. And that's, that's a really great point because that, just like what you said, where you get into the first aid because exposure is going to be the number one thing you're doing whenever you're out in the world, the number one concern you need to have whenever you're out in the wilderness. Uh, you know, did you pack enough, did you pack the, the right equipment, the right clothing? What's the weather going to be like? How cold is it going to be? How wet is it going to be? What's the terrain you're going over? Do you have enough food, enough water? And so that's really great that the education has expanded, not just of identifying your game animal, making sure it's legal and then making sure you're taking a, a safe shot. And I, as I have seen in my journey in hunting, uh, I got into it whenever I was adolescent watching the Saturday morning fishing and hunting shows. And then it just kind of grew from there, had the opportunity to start going out into the field. And from what I have seen, at least for my generation of the, like what you said, being a responsible game manager and being a responsible hunter and overall responsible steward of the outdoors, how I have heard it phrased is the uh, picturesque, stereotypical Bubba hunter of hunters wanting to get out into the field to get away from the response, you know, get away from the wife or kids. I have seen the total opposite of that. I have seen nothing but at least the hunters that I hang around and the outdoorsmen I hang around, it's really become taking it seriously of leaving the hunting opportunities and the land in general better than it was found. And so it's really great that 
Hunter Education is continuing to expand that. Well, it's funny you say that the game wardens, if you ask them who they really like to deal with the best in the outdoors, uh, hunters are, are always number one, you know, they can get a good cup of coffee in the hunting camp and, and they say the same thing that you just said, and I do as well, and that is that, you know, I, whether it's because of hunter education or whatever, it, it really is uh, just a really fun group to, to be around. Um, I see lots of families, kids, mentors, and the kinds of things. But, of course, I deal with volunteers as well. And, and uh, you just see a lot of really great stuff, and you learn a lot of great stuff from these folks. And uh, whether it's on TV or just in person, um, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Yes, for sure. And, uh, and sticking with uh, what you're saying about, you know, interacting, the text of the game wardens, interacting with, uh, with hunters specifically, and as we were talking offline, I believe the statistic now is over 99% of Texas is privately owned. And so there's a lot of hunters out there who have to take advantage of the public hunting opportunities. And as I said to you offline, I submitted my, uh, my applications just a few weeks ago for a few public hunts. And, uh, and so those would be what's called the drawn hunt category. And if you could kind of Walk us through what the process is for applying for those drawn hunts and uh, and just kind of what that entails. Well, I, you bet. And, uh, hopefully everyone has access to a computer. And if you just go to the Texas Parks and Wildlife website and under hunting, you have the various public hunts. And public hunts, like you said, include the drawn hunts, uh, which a lot of those are passed for this coming season, but they're still... Uh, numerous ones out there, you know, for the December and then the spring turkey hunt and things like that. But you want to get in on that early, you know, uh, July, August time frame is, is when you really want to apply for those drawn hunts. And they're obviously really quality and, and fun hunts um, if you get drawn. Um, and there's a youth category. And uh, I took my kids hunting on the youth hunts quite a bit. And they're a little bit more prevalent, uh, you know, in terms of opportunities. And it's always fun to do those. Um, but if you don't get drawn for a drawn hunt, you have what they call annual public hunting permits uh, to uh, uh, millions of other acreage, you know, around Texas. I think the, the problem with Texas is it's so vast and so big that, you know, those, some of those acreages are, you know, far, far outside of maybe where you live, perhaps. But on the other hand, it, they're, they're close enough to where if you could plan a good hunting weekend, you can uh, you can do those as well. And then we do lease a, a numerous lands for like dove hunting and things like that so you want to take advantage of the seasons too uh, with those annual public hunting permits we have some regular daily permit hunts and then um, the new category that's really growing which i'm just thrilled about is the mentor hunt uh, categories both on the public side on public hunting opportunities we we do them at a lot of the state parks for example where you really not only have to have a mentor, but they're, they're fairly controlled hunts because their, their purpose is to get a number of miles off the state parks, you know, and, and most uh, economically feasible way to do that is through hunting. And of course, um, and it provides meat and opportunities for those hunters. And then the other mentored hunting workshops that are going through hunts that are coming up are what we call the adult learn to hunt program that we're just starting with the Texas Wildlife Association. You mentioned it, that the public hunting, or excuse me, private lands in Texas, are, it's actually 95% privately owned and, and the 
the I say the caretaker nonprofit organization is the Texas Wildlife Association. They have two hunting programs that are, are huge. One is the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Those are for the ones under 17. And then now it's the Adult Learn to Hunt Program. And those will be for the 17 and older. And we're just beginning that. Uh, I think it'll be just as big as the Youth Hunting Program where, where we take 2,000 kids hunting every year uh, on private lands. And this is going to be just as big as that, if not bigger, because number one, there's a whole lot of youth, that, excuse me, there's a whole lot of adults that don't have the opportunity to hunt when, when in fact the youth do have opportunities, uh, especially through the drawn hunts. But, um, you know, I, I, I think this is really going to extend a lot of those college age kids that don't have a place to hunt, that want to go out with their friends, they can invite them on some of these hunts. And I think it'll go over very well. And to kind of piggyback off that, you know, we're in 2022 now, two years, uh, you know, COVID was very, very hot and heavy two years ago. And there were all kinds of conversations on the news of food and that are still going on, food shortages, supply chain issues. And did you see in the last two years an uptick of individuals taking part in hunter education so that they could go out into the field and try to secure, you know, clean and wild protein that they could take home that they couldn't find if they, you know, if there were supply chain shortages at the store that they couldn't get their hands on. Have you noticed an uptick in hunter education in the last couple of years? Well, there not necessarily an uptick in hunter education, but there was definitely an uptick in hunting license sales through the COVID era. Um, and, and that opportunity for two reasons. One is, um, getting outdoors was a, was a good way to prevent COVID uh, with the vitamin D and all the sunshine, right? Um, but really it was a time because they, they weren't going to work and it's like, well, and, and they were doing more things with their family, uh, very close things with their family. And of course, hunting was one of those beneficiaries of that. But definitely getting meat uh, is, a, is a huge movement in the last 10 years. We call it the locavore movement because protein sourced meats uh that especially the meat that you get and you know what's that you know you you took it from the 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 meat to the table all the way to yourself and you, and you know exactly where it came from um that's that's picked up a lot of speed in the last 10 years and especially during the covid era and so yes i think that we're seeing lots more interest in how to figure out how to uh, get that protein in and the way I say it is that you either know a hunter or you get donations, uh, excuse me, know a hunter and get donations or you hunt yourself. And that's where hunter education steps in and to try to give them that entree into the hunting world. But hey, just, just getting donated meat from a hunter is, is a huge way to uh, not only learn about, you know, the nutritious meat that you get from wild game, but also of course, those uh, hunters like, I think a lot of hunters, including myself, really enjoy sharing uh, the fruits of our labor in terms of the wild game meats. And it's just a good source of meat. I go elk hunting every year. And I tell you what, uh, I don't generally get, me, my family and myself don't generally eat all of that elk ourselves. So we'd love to donate a lot of that elk meat away. And and that's exactly right. I've I've seen that too with this generation of hunters of, you know, a lot of hunters can be whitewashed as animal cruelty or we enjoy the kill, but a lot of hunters, including myself, that is the worst part of the process is 
you know, you're having, you are having to take this animal's life. It's, it's going hunting is not life or death for the hunter, but it is for the game you're pursuing. And so a lot of hunters I know, they take the time to practice, prepare, to be able to give that animal as quick and as painless, painless of a death as possible. And then like what you said, a lot of hunters, they're not wasting any of that, any of that animal. They're getting it processed. And if, and if they can't consume all that, because like you said, a 1200 pound elk, that's a lot of meat that you're going to have for the year. I mean, that's, a, that's one of the great things to do is to, to share that with, with family and friends for sure. Yeah. I, the responsibility, you said it, the responsibility and reverence that goes with uh, taking an animal is, is one thing and then taking care of the game. Our four, our four main goals in hunter education are to be safe, to be legal. And, and of course, those are the centerpiece of why uh, hunting is so safe. And so, uh, and, and hunters are so compliant with the outdoor laws. But then the next two objectives are to take a good shot, like you said, not to wound an animal. Uh, and that involves a lot of things like shot placement, you know, vital zones, all the kinds of things that you have to learn as a hunter. And then finally taking care of your game and we call it from field to fork. And so, you, you, you know, you want that game meat, you know, to be obviously something that is the centerpiece of why we hunt in the first place. Uh, that hasn't changed for eons, right? And so uh, just getting that whole good protein source meat. Uh, and what's interesting about hunting, um, all the meat that's taken by hunters and throughout North America, we're talking about millions and millions of pounds of meat is its own commercial meat industry. In fact, it would swamp the existing domestic industry, uh, commercial industry of meats. It, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle that much protein and meat going out. Uh, and that's what, that's a good role for hunters to play is to take the additional meat that's provided uh, through conservation. And, and the good news is, is uh, regulated hunting has never cause the endangerment or threatment of any animal so it's really the greatest uh user pay and everybody benefits system and the users are the hunters in this case yes sir and uh before before this uh topic escapes me i know that there are specific uh safety rules when it comes to public hunting and this like what you said about there's a lot of reciprocity uh for hunter education i've seen that this is going to be pretty standard across the board of uh, some type of blaze orange, some type of identification as a public hunter. So if you could just quickly go over what those safety rules are, if you are taking advantage of public hunting. Well, you bet uh, on the uh, public hunting side, there's a few added safety rules. So for all hunting, of course, we promote muzzle control. If, if you had a safe muzzle control of your firearm, or even your bow and arrow, but we've never see a problem with the bows and arrows as much. But if you have muzzle control, 95% uh, of all the incidences would be prevented. And that's whatever incidents do take place. The two most common in Texas are swinging on doves outside of a safe zone of fire. So dove hunters um, take note, you know, make sure you communicate with your partners where they are at all times so that you don't swing a firearm in their in their direction. That's number one. And then the other one is uh, firearms in and around vehicles and especially deer hunters, you know, and they, they have them loaded in the vehicle for whatever reason that that's and that's one, a violation of safety rule. But beyond that, and, and what you talked about in public hunting, we require a blaze orange and a blaze orange, 144 inches on the front and back, and then also headwear. 
is a requirement on Texas public hunts where you don't necessarily know who's out there, for example. Um, but it's also just mainly for deer hunting and the regular hunting. So waterfowl hunters, turkey hunters, and dove hunters don't necessarily have to wear uh, blaze orange because uh, birds do, do in fact differentiate color where deer may not. But the bottom line is that uh, there are certain seasons and certain species where you have to have a blaze orange requirement. So if you do if you do draw for a public hunt, just make sure you know which area you're going to and then read the rules for that particular area. And that'll include any of the added safety rules such as blaze orange. Very good, yes sir. And alluding back to what you said of Texas game wardens and your experience have always said that hunters are some of the most courteous. What would be some tips that you could give for any individual who is interacting with the game warden just because like what we kind of discussed uh, offline where those game wardens are already going to be on a heightened sense of alert because you're immediately dealing with individuals who are who you can assume have loaded firearms and uh you know if the game warden is getting involved there may or may not be some uh maybe illegal hunting or some illegal things going on so if you could if you could go over just how to be courteous when interacting with the game warden, just to make sure that you're making them feel safe and comfortable and to keep you as the hunter safe as well. Yeah, interacting with the game wardens really is just no more, no more different than interacting with your fellow hunting party or members. I, I mean, it's really their game wardens are out there for you. Uh, and they and they really love interacting with hunters and, and, and by and large. And, and you see that right here in the dove season coming up. You'll see a game warden going down the field of a bunch of dove hunters, you know, that are might might be in a hay field, and they're maybe they're hunting near the hay bales and things like that. And the game warden will go right right down the line and you know check licenses and interact and have fun. Um, and 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 they get a, they get just as much of a charge out of you getting game, especially when they see kids uh, in the field with their parents or mentors. And so they get all that. So just treat them as, as if they were another one of your hunting parties. Obviously when a game warden does approach you, you want to unload immediately because you're not really going to hunt in an interaction with anybody, let alone a game warden, right? So you want to unload, make sure your firearms pointed in the same direction. And those are the two biggies because a game warden will, will, will watch you. That's kind of like defensive hunting, right? They're going to watch you and your muzzle and make sure that if you get nervous and get around the game warden, sometimes the muzzle control goes out the window because you're not thinking about it. But the bottom line is just be calm, you know, point the muzzle in the same direction, unload. And then you can have this great interaction with a game warden because truthfully, a lot of times you don't ever see a game warden. And they're they know um, lots about where you're hunting. They know lots about hunting, of course, and safe hunting. So they're going to uh, be a resource for you. And so just treat them as somebody that has a lot of information and local information. They know the, the wherewithal. I will say that if you, if you just remember two things as a dove hunter, for example, is just making sure that you have a plug in your shotgun if it's a, it's a pump action or semi-automatic action, just make sure that it's limited to three shells. For the migratory law that's one of the more common one make sure you have your hunter education and your hunting license all intact that should have been done before september 1 anyway and and then those are the kinds of things that you think about and then and then know what the limits are and know know what you're hunting know what you're shooting at i mean there's a, a lot of 
birds out there, right? And so there's some things like sparrow hawks and other yellow legs, you know, water birds that look kind of like doves, uh, killdeer. Um, just make sure you're, 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 you're not so excited that you just shoot and ask questions later, that you really do take the time to learn from your mentors and, and the adults that, that have been dove hunting for a long time. Take the time to learn about the animal and, and when it's flying and what the patterns look like and all the kinds of things that you put together to make sure you're shooting at the right target. And that's uh, number three rule of hunter safety is be sure of your target, what's in front of and what's beyond. And, and that just that one rule alone will go a big way, something like wing shooting or dove hunting. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And you hit the nail on the head of just that's one of the number one things of before you're ready to pull that trigger and make sure you're sure your target because that's how that's how so many incidents do occur in the field. Well, yes. Well, we've covered some good information. We've covered uh, hunt, the need for hunter education, these public hunting opportunities. And uh, we did touch on these mentored hunts, which I think is an excellent program, not only for kids, but for adults who want to get into hunting, but not really sure where to start. And like everything, whenever you're starting something new, it takes a lot to really put yourself out there. And so it's great that the, I believe you said it was the Texas Wildlife Association is teaming up with Texas Parks and Wildlife to, to put on those mentor hunts. Yeah, that, that's going to be, again, a really exciting program, Adult Learn to Hunt program. And um, um, I'm looking forward to, obviously, like you said, we're a partner in that relationship. And I'm looking forward to promoting the heck out of it along with our youth hunting program, which we promote the heck out of as well. Uh, if you're interested in hunting on, especially on private lands in, in, the, in your youth, you go to, you know, the Texas Wildlife Association page has the tyhp.org, which is the youth hunting program, Texas youth hunting program. And now I'm sure they'll have the lth.org or whatever the learn to hunt program one will be, but they'll have a, you know, a website for that as well. And when you get to those websites, uh, you know, you'll notice that uh, for their hunts, for for example, in the youth hunts, it's nine through 16 category. Their youth hunts uh, require you to have hunter education. So there we there we go again, uh, uh, right of passage, go get your hunter education and you can get it as early as nine years old. Uh, you can take it if you're eight, but you can't get certified until you're nine. Well, well the good news is that's when the youth hunting program starts as well. Uh, and if you're a concerned parent, you're going to get them into hunter education as soon as you can, because it's a tool for the parent in terms of safe and responsible actions. And so uh, anyway, well, if you do get interested, go to the Texas Wildlife Association or come to the Texas Parks and Wildlife website. And we also, of course, promote our partnership with the Texas Wildlife Association. And yeah, we'll get all those linked up in the show notes to where people can can easily find the public hunting opportunities. They can find the, uh, the youth mentored hunt programs, the adult mentored hunt programs, and, uh, and we'll get it all linked up to where people can easily find it. And really the biggest things are, uh, if you wanna take, uh, take advantage of hunting in Texas, get that hunter education, whether you are on public or private land, you're gonna need to have it. Uh, get, that, uh, get that hunting license to make sure you're legal follow all the necessary rules and regulations, whether it's public or private land. And uh, really the biggest thing is be a good steward of the, of the land and, and enjoy the, the time being outside. And so Steve, I really appreciate you taking the time. And, uh, and if you have anything to add, please do. And, and again, I appreciate you coming on to, to talk about these great opportunities that Texas Parks and Wildlife has to offer. 
Well, thank, thank you, Stuart. I appreciate being involved. And a few things to add are just essentially some of the regulations, uh, both for dove and deer hunters, just making sure you have your license, uh, that you've signed it and that on the license itself, just make sure you have the right endorsements. If you're dove hunting an upland uh, migratory game bird endorsement or upland game bird endorsement, those stamps is another word for endorsement. But the bottom line is just making sure you have all the right and necessary stamps. If you're a waterfowl hunter and you're 16 years of age or older, you have to have a federal duck stamp. Uh, you also have to have the state stamp just like the uh, other hunters that are 17 and above. The great deal for youth, uh, any, anyone under 17, they just have to buy the youth hunting license and that's it, they're, they're going. Um, unless they're 16 years of age, that's the one exception. They don't even need the stamps. Uh, if they're 16, they do need a federal duck stamp. The other things I would uh, caution hunters on are just to make sure that they know which county they're hunting in. If, if for example, they're a deer hunter, and they might have antler restrictions in that county, or they may have COVID, excuse me, COVID. <laughs> they might have wildlife management, uh, what we call CWD, chronic wasting disease. It's, I guess, like COVID for animals. <laughs> but the bottom line is if they have CWD requirements in those particular counties, there's uh, that's been a, a slightly expanded this year. So just make sure that if you have a CWD requirement in the county to to uh, you know adhere to those rules and those those are special rules so there's there's a few things that you got to know if in terms of the county that you hunt in certainly the limits by species are in those counties such as deer numbers five deer three deer no does some does you know the bottom line is just making sure what you know what county you're hunting in what ranch you're hunting on so you can fill out the tag properly and if you're hunting white-tailed deer make sure you fill out that log on the back of the license when you cut a tag, um, that's probably one of the more common violations is is not having the license or um, not completing it properly immediately upon kill when you kill a white-tailed deer, mule deer, or turkey. So those are the kinds of things that you just kind of need to pay a little attention to. It, it makes for a better, uh, like you said, a more courteous <laughs> approach of a game warden if you're not violating a bunch of laws and especially if you're, if you're just kind of not with it and not figuring out what those you know uh, laws are uh, you, you kind of got to pay a little attention to that but uh, other than that it's going to be a great hunt um, safe hunt hopefully legal uh, and then ethical is what you touched on in terms of things like courteous behavior and leaving things better than you found it I mean uh, if you just think about respecting nature and respecting others um, the ethical part comes real easy that's exactly right. And the, and the last two things I'll mention uh, to go along with your, uh, with your Texas hunting license, if you're going to take advantage of public hunting opportunities, you need to get the endorsement, as you said, for the annual public hunting permit. And uh, whenever you do purchase your Texas hunting license, every year you'll get an updated outdoor annual, which lists out exactly what you just said, Steve, the rules, regulations by county, by species, and that's going to be uh, I keep that on me every year, and there's also now an option to download that to your phone as an app that does not need uh, any type of internet or cell service to work. So that's a great that's a great tool that Texas Parks and Wildlife has uh, has put forth. I think it just came out in uh, the 2021 hunting season, and so 
So, yeah, Steve, I do appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we'll chat real quick uh, offline. And thanks again for, for coming on and to share the opportunities for public hunting in Texas. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Appreciate you. Thank you for joining this episode of the Sheepdog Dad podcast. Thanks especially to our guest, Steve Hall from Texas Parks and Wildlife Hunting Education for coming on to discuss hunter education and public hunting opportunities in Texas. Remember, you can get in touch and find all information on hunter education and public hunting in Texas at tpwd.texas.gov. So that's tpwd as in Texas Parks and Wildlife Department tpwd.texas.gov. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star rating and review and sign up for our, our upcoming newsletter. Visit thesheepdogdad.com for more topics such as this and to sign up for our exclusive coaching service, Protect the Flock. Visit originusa.com and support American jobs and American manufacturing. And it just so happens that Origin USA just launched a few days ago their 100% sourced and made in America hunt line. So visit OriginUSA.com and use the code Jackson10 for 10% off of all orders, not including the brand new hunt line. They made sure to include uh, that in the disclaimer. But on all other products, get 10% off of all your orders by using the code J-A-C-K-S-O-N-1-0 for 10% off all orders at originusa.com. Until next time, keep your head on a swivel.